Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills from Afar podcast. You're with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host, Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing? It's been a Good. while. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, we've, I mean, you know, beginning to sort of get into, you know, thinking about the draft, thinking about free agency. Um, it's weird not having football. Um, enjoyed the Super Bowl, though. I thought that was, that was good. It was pretty entertaining. I don't think either of the teams were of the quality that the Bills can put up on their best days. Um, so that kind of gives me some confidence for the future. But, um, yeah, we're now into this phase now with, with, with no football. And uh, we can get all in on thinking about what the Buffalo Bills might look like in 2022. And um, you and I are both pretty keen draft nicks, aren't we? We're sort of amateurs, but we're keen amateurs. And um, I think it's going to be some really fun subjects to talk about between now and the draft. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, off-season uh, with uh, free agency and draft, as you said, I, I like doing these podcasts. I like thinking about the big picture of this team and the construction of this team and succession planning and how we can get better in future years. You know, I think it's all pretty exciting. You know, I know the games are finished, but I find that through to the end of April when the draft is, you know, we kind of kept engaged with the NFL, you know, obviously free agency. You've got the... Um, franchise tag just before that there's a lot happens like yeah. in the next couple of months so that's going to keep us definitely engaged and especially with a draft I know you're starting to put a draft board together and you've got a number mm-hmm. of names on there and I've watched a lot of film myself so you know the, the train keeps going here it does. Uh, not, the off season's a bit of a mesonoma isn't it there's a little a patch I think it's in sort of June July where it gets a little quiet in between sort of training camps and things but yeah. other than that there's always there's stuff happening that's one of the things that makes the NFL so fascinating you think so you link oh we've got six months before we even get to see even even preseason football but there's lots to talk about and lots to lots to, to get involved with um, the other thing to get involved with is if you're in the uh, the London area or, or reachable distance is uh, in just a week's time on the uh, on the 26th of February we have our uh, Bills end of season meetup at the Fitzrovia Bell um, so come along to that we've got um, a bit of a Bills and NFL quiz going on um, landlord there is a, is, a, is a great great friend of ours and um, he's really happy to host uh, any Bills Mafia that wants to come along so whether you're passing through um, London or you're uh, residents um come and meet some some nice people and we can talk all about the bills and um yeah just close out the season props to you for that transition charlie that was good i don't think back in slick, june when we started this slick, podcast yeah. we would have would have been uh, able to pull that off but i enjoyed that <laughs> getting better getting better <laughs> good all stuff right. so should we talk a little bit about how um this sort of show is going to work um yeah i think that we've got to focus in on needs uh big needs for the 2022 season. Um, obviously, we've got free agency coming up and then the draft beyond that. I'm not sure either of us watch sufficient film of other teams to sort of really get into the details on free agency positions. I think there are other pods that do that really well. We're a bit more on the draft side of things, but we will touch on where we think a need should really be filled by a free agent or probably be filled uh, through the draft. We'll talk about the different position groups that we think are important that the um, uh, the Bills office need to be addressing. So there'll be some some position groups everybody's sort of aware of. You know, a lot of people talk about the offensive line, maybe defensive tackles. We'll go through all of that and we'll talk about why they're a priority, what our current situation is and where, how we think this Bills organization is going to resolve that. And then by the end, what we'll come up with is that each of us will have our top four uh, positions of need for the draft. And we'll also have a list of positions that we think we should be taking through free agency. Does that uh, sounds okay with you, Tim? Yeah, sounds good. Um, I'm just going to start by saying, you know, this roster has taken four off seasons. This is a fifth for Bean and McDermott to build this roster. We have a strong roster. We're in a fortunate position. There's not many holes or weaknesses, which is why we're looking at the top four in this podcast. But I was just going to say that despite us having a strong roster, um, this puts us in a more favourable position, especially in the draft. You know, we don't need to draft for need. We don't have loads of holes and loads of different position groups. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we won't pick best player available. We know from uh, Brandon Bean, Spencer Brown, that was a bit of a, what we're doing. We're pretty set a tackle with Williams and Dawkins. And then he played a, a fairly good role in this team last season. So um, and not only that, and not only drafting best player available but also about succession planning you know uh we're going to be focusing on what we perceive to be the top four positions 
that looked upgrade. But obviously, this is prior to free agency. There's all sorts of things that can happen. You've got to think about succession planning, as I said. Like, I was just going to ask you at the start of this, Charlie, like, when you evaluate this roster and uh, moving forward, contract situations, etc., like, how many positions do you think, um, do we not need to have any form of investments in this yeah. season? I think that offensive tackle feels pretty set. We've got two guys we're happy with in Dion Dawkins and Spencer Brown. We've got um, a recent draft pick, you know, waiting in, in the wings. Um, you know, depending on what we do with, with Ryan Bates, potentially he's also able to, to play a bit of tackle. Um, maybe there's a sort of low cost free agency type signing to, to swing, but I don't think it's, it's something, not something I feel like we're going to, you know, put a serious money towards nor draft a uh, you know a high high uh, early round pick on, um, but most of the other positions are probably for grabs. Not going to draft a kicker, I wouldn't think. I think we're pretty happy with mm. Tyler Bass. Um, yeah. We're probably not going to draft a long snapper. You know, I think refocus is perfectly reasonable. And it seems unlikely that we would draft uh, a quarterback. I mean, I guess it's possible we we draft a, a later round guy. So yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, Josh yeah. Allen, depending on the draft falls. Um, but in terms of you know, free agency and early round drafts picks, then it's um, it, it, it's not it's not a roster that has a ton of really significant holes. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, historically, Brandon Bean doesn't draft the need. He tends to fill significant holes through free agency um, so that he can go into the draft and just get, you know, pretty much the best player available. However, I will say it's best player available in a position of need, I think, but also uh, with succession planning in mind. So the other thing that we saw play a much heavier, heavier factor than perhaps any of us anticipated in the in the last draft is, is they went after the positions where they knew they were, we need to get cheaper. So long term, we knew we needed to get cheaper at tackle. We knew we needed to get te- cheaper at defensive end because of having to pay for Josh Allen's contract. Um, so they wanted sort of low cost options that have good quality in those positions to give them more flexibility later on down the, down the road. We know, I think most of you will have probably heard that we're, bills are probably a little bit over the cap, depending on what kind of numbers you you, you hear. So somewhere between one and four million. However, I think there's some players that are probably going to get released. There's some players that may get traded. There's some players that may get their contracts restructured. Um, anyone that's listened to the recent Cover One um, uh, salary cap for Bonanza episode will will hear that they went through a process and freed up somewhere in the region of sort of 30 million or so for 2022. So I think we're going to bear that in mind. That, that's probably you know we don't know how aggressive or not Bean is going to be in terms of restructures and and um, taking some of those. Players that we feel really good about, some of that stuff, stuff on Diggs and maybe uh, putting a new contract in place for him and then pushing some of that cap down, down the road. We know that the cap at the moment is a little bit lower than perhaps they would have been planning for three years ago because of the COVID adjustments. But we also know it's going to be going up quite significantly as this new TV deal comes in and some, you know, some region of, of 250 million in, in, in the future. So we're not going to get too much into sort of cap space and stuff, but we will bear in mind the fact that I do think there is some flexibility for the Bills to go out and get some free agent signings. Um, we know hearing from Joe Shane when he was being interviewed at the Giants that he was planning uh, for free agency and knowing that they they had some money to spend. And I don't think it's like 10 million. I think it's more like 20 to 30 million that they'll be looking to invest. So um, yeah, we'll go through that as well. You know, there's some places where it may make sense to, to draft for a position and, and other places where it may make sense to try and get a, a really high quality free agent signing. Yeah. And I just wanted to demonstrate, like I want to uh ask you that question for a reason because I agree with you for me the only position that we don't need to make any investments in uh, as I say it's not critical just because we um, have players in place you know there's no urgent needs but you know you said offensive tackle and I'd agree that's the only place that I look at only position group that I look at that I think we're good for another couple of years yeah. you know you look at safety on the face of it clearly Mike Hyde Jordan Poyer an elite duo but you look at their age and then their contract situation Poyer's only got one year left. Hyde's got two years left in his contract. So I wouldn't look at the safety position and rule out an investment at some point. I think that, you know, Hyde and Poya, they were brought in um, as veterans. They finished their rookie deals and they were brought in together uh, by McDermott. I wouldn't be surprised if they, with how they're able to uh, develop uh, the secondary uh, corners and safeties. I wouldn't be surprised in in free agency this year or next year that they look to make that type of similar uh, move to bring in someone that has been in the league that they can get a bit more out of. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that really to say 
nothing's on the ta- off the table in yeah, my mind correct. other than offensive tackle. Yeah. Also, quarterback uh, Josh Allen clearly he's the elite guy. He's the franchise. He is the franchise uh, of the Buffalo Bills, but. We've got no one else uh, under contract outside of Josh mm-hmm. Allen. We're going to need some backups. You know, Mitchell Trubisky, Jake his contract expired. Mm-hmm. Jake Fromm and Davis Webb, they're both at the Giants now with Brian Dable. So, yeah, even quarterback, we're going to probably be looking day three potentially for someone that can sit mm-hmm. behind Josh Allen, develop a little bit. You know, they'd expect not to get ahead of Josh Allen, but they might find another route in the league after his contract finishes or we trade him or, you know, this type of thing. So, yeah, nothing's off the table in my yeah. mind for this 2022 offseason. We're going to focus in more on the sort of top four or five positions of need because those are the yeah. ones that are likely to attract the attention. Of course, there'll be lights around draft picks and maybe some cheaper uh, free agency signings. We're not going to get do too into detail in that, but we're going to focus on the sort of the, the big ticket items, I suppose. Um, so let's kick off the process. What is the top? Well, what's your what's the first um, position on your list, Tim, in terms of where you think we have a need? We're going to have to resolve that this offseason. I just want to start by saying I might give some clues away into uh, the other position groups here, but what wins championships? You know, what's won championships in the past? For me, you're looking at elite quarterback. We've got that in Josh Allen. A stack of pass rushes, interior guys, edge guys. Obviously, we have the young developmental guys with a couple of aging vets, but you know, uh, they haven't paid off yet. Uh, but we know that's clearly a priority position for Bean. You're also looking at multiple offensive playmakers, running backs, wide receivers. Um, We do have those, but you look at the future contract projections uh, and we need more of those sooner rather than later. And then the service below line that can protect Mm. Josh Allen and uh, create some holes in the running game. Uh, And it really came on at the start of last season, but we could still upgrade this group, uh, especially on the interior, moving forward. So in my mind, when you look at what makes a championship winning team and where we're lacking, it still remains the edge position. So the sack numbers in my mind were misleading. 15 of the 33 sacks were in two games against the Dolphins away and Jets at home. So it's all well and good getting pressure. You know, we left the league in pressures in the 2021 season, but we need to finish those pressures off with sacks. You think about the level of quarterbacks in the AFC Moving forward, you're Justin Herbert, you're Patrick Mahomes. You look at Patrick Mahomes in the divisional game and how he was able to manoeuvre around the pressure that we were creating. And, you know, he made a lot of plays, especially in the first half with his legs and kept drives going. You know, that, that that's the biggest position of need for me. Uh, Hughes and Addison are likely not to return as well. Do you think so, both will go or do you believe that we might keep one, uh, keep some experience in the room? We might find a way of keeping one as long as it's a super cheap contract. But I feel like, you know, I I don't know if you agree. I imagine you would. That is one of your top four positions as well. So it's on my list. Um, Okay. I think think it's definitely a top position of need. My, well, let's let's take a slight step back. We don't don't have an elite pass rusher yet. We have got three developmental guys um, in Rousseau, Basham and um, AJ Panessa. And I suspect that the, the front office are banking on at least one of those guys really making a significant impression in 2022. You know, most likely that would be Rousseau, you know, based on what we've seen. Very excellent run defender, some distance to go in terms of uh, pass rush. But the tools are there, that's for sure. Um, you know, the sack numbers were pretty disappointing, especially from Jerry Hughes last year. You know, pretty strong when it comes to pressures, but he's just not translating into sacks. Um, he's not able to sort of finish that finish that out. And I think that that's, that's a real problem. I am nervous about us cutting both Addison and Hughes just because I think we need some experience in the room, but maybe we could potentially look at free agency signing there. Um, uh, yeah, maybe we bring back F.A. Abada, um, but again, he's not going to be necessarily our starting uh, defensive end. It's probably going to be a cheap contract again. Um, here's, the, here's, the, here's the challenge. When it comes to the draft, we're simply not drafting high enough up earlier in, in day, day one to get a top-ranked edge rusher. You know, you're not getting great edge rushers at pick 25. Um, you, you need to be really drafting in the sort of top 10 to 15 places. And then if you look at historically, the, you know, the really good uh, pass rushers in the, across the league, they are all early day, day one picks, not just day one picks, but early day one picks. And it's unlikely, given the ability of the Bills at the moment, for us, that, that, that situation is not going to change. We're always going to be drafting the, the back half of the, uh, of the first round. So... 
I, my, my thinking here is the best way of solving that is to actually free up some cash space and go and get a free agent signing, probably on a one-year contract with a decent amount of money, and, and then hope that we see some progression from one, maybe two of those three developmental guys, but basically buyers a year, but with somebody that has much better production than an Anderson or a Hughes. So my feeling is I wouldn't draft for defensive end. We got three developmental guys. The way we're drafting, unless we're prepared to do a substantial trade-up, which is going to be seriously expensive, um, I think that's the way I would want to deal with that. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I do agree a, a little bit. I think that something that's not really been talked about is what Brandon being done to acquire Stefan Diggs. You know, clearly Josh Allen needed someone, a, a true wide receiver one, to propel Josh Allen and really, you know, allow the Josh Allen to be the best version of himself he could be, you know, surround himself with a wide receiver and seeing if with all these weapons that Brandon Bean has brought into the organisation, whether he, he can flourish. Trade for somebody. Yeah. And I, I really do think they will just because free agency is a really good route and there are some uh, veteran free agents on the market. You look at Chandler Jones, Von Miller, Howard Landry, I expect because of his age, he's going to get franchise tagged or even Melvin Ingram. Um, I think he's like the sneaky, I know his age, you know, it'd be a one-year contract type of thing, but you look at what he'd done against Spencer Brown in the divisional game. I keep mm. talking about that game and it's still not out of my mind, is it? Um, but, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, we could certainly go down, down that route, but are we really going to be paying Chandler Jones 20 plus million uh, dollars a season which is what I think he'll be expecting you know he's been very vocal about that uh, oh, I think you've also got to weigh into the fact it depends on what you do with um, with Hughes and Anderson right if you're prepared to cut both Hughes and Anderson that opens up the opportunity to go and play a guy at 20 million especially if you free cap yeah. up elsewhere I think that makes it possible if you want to hang on to one of um, Hughes and Anderson I think that becomes much more challenging mm. um, but you're right I mean training for a for a player is also another option um, but again, you know, if you want a top end guy, no one's going to be trading a rookie to you. Um, you're going to be trading somebody who's on a pretty healthy contract as well. So yeah. I think there's, there's, you know, 15 to 20 million is going to be the cost of doing business. If you're going to be either trading or you know, in terms of salary cap impact. Um, so as I said, yeah. the, the alternative is, all right, you trade up, um, to the early part of the first round, which is going to take a huge amount of your draft capital, um, and I just don't see Bean doing that. I also think that they probably, if necessary, would would wind this back, maybe cut one of Addison and Hughes, bank on the development of the guys, and possibly go for a pass rusher in the middle, a defensive tackle, to create you know pressure up the middle. You know that's the alternative. The other option is you go out, you go and invest heavily in cornerback. You know, and you compensate for the lack of pressures on this defensive line by basically having two shutdown corners in Trey White and somebody else to buy the defensive line more time. There's different ways of attacking this problem. Mm. Um, I was just going to say, like, free agency, clearly that's an auction. It's an open market. You know, those guys are going to go fetch huge prices. I just don't know whether... are a hot ticket. You know, there are people that maybe yeah. towards the end of their careers, you know, maybe Von Miller wants another Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. Um, it may be the Bills are a really attractive prospect for someone like Will Miller. Um, to cut, I mean, he's he's played in Denver. He's obviously you know won a Super Bowl um, with the Rams. You know, it's, it's, we're an attractive proposition now. I mean, Buffalo was always the place where no one wanted to go. With with that 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 possibility of winning a Super Bowl, it, it may open up other opportunities for us that we haven't had in the past. Two guys that I think we could trade for potentially with a 25th pick and then plus another. You also got to consider we've got two picks in round six and two picks in round seven. I know they're not too valuable, but it's still additional draft picks. And Stefan Diggs, I think, was a one, two fours and a five. So I'm thinking you could potentially do something along those lines. Um, but two guys I had in mind, Daniel Hunter from the Vikings, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be rebuilding. They've got a new regime there. So somewhere something that we could potentially do I think he's definitely underpaid as well based on uh, where he sits in terms of uh, the edge position I know he's had injuries but I feel like that's you know some bits a player we could acquire and then potentially Khalil Mack I'm yeah. thinking a, a, re, a Buffalo reunion that would be Mack. amazing wouldn't it Khalil Mack it would not cheap, so, not cheap but um, it wouldn't be would, cheap but then yeah. I'm thinking with his age uh, with whether Bears are uh, as well in their rebuild uh, and uh, w- 
that could be somewhere that something that you might not even have to give up pick 25. It could be a second or third round pick like the Rams done with Von Miller. Um, you just don't know. Big contract. Yeah. And obviously, you know, they could void the years and, you know, do all the uh, cap gymnastics mm. on that deal. So, yeah, I feel like those two could definitely be in play. So, so here's, here's where I think Bean might end up. Um, I suspect a free agent signing is more likely than a trade simply because I think they believe in the three guys they've drafted and they'll want to see them develop. Whereas a trade, you're typically looking at, you know, a longer term commitment um, and taking on that money for a longer period of time. There's the best case scenario. You get either production out of Anderson Hughes. We're not, we're not expecting that. Or you get a free agent coming in for a season, buying yourself some more developmental time, but an experienced guy can help bring the other guys on and then hopefully by the time 2024 rolls around 2023 rolls around you've actually got one or two high impact edge rushers from that trio that are in that sort of developmental phase um so yeah i know it's, it's, it's shades of gray and um, that's roughly where i think we might end up i'd love for us to be going to bring in a bob miller or someone like that chandler jones that would be a, a game changer i think for us but um yeah it's uh, one of the needs that we have to discuss anything more you want to say on defensive end yeah, I didn't touch on the draft. Clearly, it's a really deep draft. But as you said, we've drafted three guys in the last two two uh, drafts. They're well, still developing. Let me, let me challenge that a little bit. There's a lot of defensive ends in the draft. But, I mean, I looked at um, the uh, Draft Network's analysis, and basically at the moment it's before the combine. But there's only, uh, you know, it, it's in terms of top-ranked guys, there's not that many. And I think the chance of a really good guy dropping to us in the in the first round is unlikely. And we already have three guys that are either bottom end of the first round or second round kind of talents. Are we going to get anyone better than what we already have in those three developmental guys by 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 drafting uh, somebody? And my answer is not unless we're prepared to trade up. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Hutchinson, Thibodeau, they'll go in the top five. I'm pretty confident on that. And then the only other two guys that I feel like could be day one impacts for Bills are George Karloftis and uh, Jermaine Johnson, who really shined in the senior bowl. But I've watched them, their film, and uh, they're the only edge players that I've watched so far that I feel like can make a day one impact and they could be an upgrade to what we've already got. Mm-hmm. As I said, Hutchins and Thibodeau, they're not going to be in play but Karloftis and Johnson, they could fall to 14-15. I think by that point they'll definitely be gone. I think Jermaine Johnson, after how he performed in Senior Bowl, he might be a top 10 pick but Karloftis yeah. might go down slightly but yeah, they're, they're the four guys I think and I don't know, to go from 25 to 15, that's going to be at least a third round pick, isn't it? Um, Plus, yeah, even more than that, you're looking at a couple of day threes, you know, you're looking at 2023 draft capital being uh, used as well. So, yeah, it, it really depends on where the board sits at the time. According to the draft network, there are six guys ranked in the first round at edge, and there's another six ranked in the second round. Yeah. Um, the... You know, but then there's a there's a quite a big split. So you've got those top three guys of of, of Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Karloftis. You know, they're kind of roughly maybe top ten players, and then you got Ajabo, Walker, Johnson. There yeah. are more the sort of bottom end of the scale. Those to me are the more. I mean, maybe Jermaine Johnson pops up as you said, but those are the, to me are the guys that are um, similar. They're going to be a similar quality to to what we already have. And so unless you're going to get one of those top three guys, to me it's it, it's kind of a waste of time even even drafting edge. Um, yeah, just a shout out to Ajabo. Um, I think he'll be a really good player for the NFL. Clearly, uh, you know, he's raised in Aberdeen, Scotland. So shout out to the Scottish fans that listen to this, uh, who, who've, uh, you know, wanting him to do well at the next level. I think he will. I just worry about him as a run defender uh, day one. I think he can get there. I think he had a, a little bit more weight to his frame than, you know, he will be a good rusher at the NFL level. But it's someone that I wouldn't, you know, select and say, oh, they're going mm. to give you upside straight away on, yeah. um, you know, uh, in 2022. So, Agreed. all right, let's move on to your next position. Yeah. So, uh, you select a defensive end. So, let's yeah. swing let's it around you. to me. Yeah. I'm going to talk about uh, defensive tackle, I think, next. Um, so, yeah, you know, an alternative way of perhaps creating more pass rush is to put somebody dominant next to Ed Oliver. Um, 
we've we've all had our say on uh, Starla Tulele. I think it's been disappointing. There's rumours that he might retire. Um, Harrison Phillips has really come back to a good level. I think is he a dominant one tech that's going to destroy offensive lines? I don't think so. I think he's he's very he's perfectly reasonable. He's a very solid, workable NFL standard one tech, but um, he's not a magic maker and. I wonder whether the Bills might be tempted to go early for a defensive tackle um, in the draft um, or certainly try and fill this position. Um, to me, Phillips is more of a really solid number two rotational guy. Um, we've never really had a dominant one tech during the McDermott era, I don't think. Um, and this draft is pretty light after the first two rounds. Um, you know, if we're going to draft in sort of round three, round four, then you're going to be looking at somebody who's going to need developments. Um, so I think we, if we want this, we have to go early. Um, if we want them to have an impact in 2023. I mean, and to me, you know, Vernon Butler's gone. <laughs> so this, this, is the, this is the body that replaces that Vernon Butler role. Um, you know, I think most people like Justin Zimmer, but he's not getting, you know, he's, he's not that young anymore. Is he 29 or something? Um, so to me, yeah, Vernon Butler's contract's off the, off the books. We could draft someone early. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, we could draft someone early to, um, to to take that that space in the in the in the in the depth uh, roster. But I think that this is something that I I'm I'm pretty interested in considering. And I'm going to talk more about this a little bit later when we talk about cornerback because yeah, I don't if you remember last year there was a really interesting pod where Bruce Nolan and uh, Joe Marino had his debate: pass rush versus um, coverage. Yeah. yeah. And. You know, the answer is, of course, a bit of both is important, but, you know, you can create pressure in different ways. If a quarterback doesn't have any time because they've got people in their, fa- in their faces, they're going to make mistakes. But equally, if they've got time, but there's no one open, eventually the pass rush will get there. You can't protect the quarterback for forever. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to tell us an awful lot about what's, um, what Bean thinks about this roster. Is if they go either defensive tackle or cornerback early, it's going to tell us a lot about what they want to, want, to, want, to, want to do. But I think a dominant defensive tackle could cover up for maybe some weaknesses we need to talk about at cornerback later. So you think the draft is a better route to improve a position than free agency? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Um, I know I, we haven't watched all the guys yet in that uh, defensive ta- tackle class um, or position group in the, in the, in the draft, but um, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. So you think it's light. I mean, one text, it is very light. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not that many dudes that are going to fit what we're looking for. Um, there's, there's Jordan Davis from Georgia, which would yeah. probably be a name that people would have heard of. There's Travis Jones from, from UConn, probably available in the second round. Yeah. Um, you've got a lot the guys who are kind of maybe three techs, one tech. There's Tyler Davis from, from Clemson, maybe. He's played more of a, a he's played more one tech, but he looks a bit more like a three tech to me um, in terms of his weight and, and, and size. So there are some some names that, that are potentially available um, earlier on, but a lot of the defensive tackles are really take t- uh, three techs that are available early. So, so if Harrison Phillips returned to the Bills, would you still be after a one tech player over well, a three tech? I think. I think Harrison Phillips is fine. Um, but yes, I mean, we're going to need a backup to Ed Oliver anyway. But, well, if Ophir Obada comes back, he could be a backup to Ed Oliver. You can find backup three techs that are better than Vernon Butler. We have Justin Zimmer. You know, there, there is options there. But what we haven't had is sort of a dominant two-gapping one tech, um, somebody who can create absolute havoc um, in the middle of the uh, of, of, of the. Uh, off the offensive line. And I think that's that's a pretty attractive option to me. I think that's one that we should definitely be considering fairly early on in this draft. Yeah, uh, that's all valid points. I think I'd prefer to go free agency myself. Like As right. long as we sign Harrison Phillips, you know, if he comes back on a two-year, three-year deal, because I feel like he played really well at the end of last season. I know that he's had injuries and, you know, he's got to prove it, you know, still after their you know, really successful second half of uh, last year. I feel like free agency is probably the better route just because, as you said, like you're going to have to, there's not a huge amount of players in in this upcoming draft class that I feel, you know, will be in position for pick 25 or Mm. even in second round. You said Jordan Davis, uh, Devontae Wyatt, who plays alongside Jordan Davis at Georgia. Um, He's a, good player who I think has more free tech upside than Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is just like, um, how do you call it? He's just huge, isn't he? You know, he's going to take up those two gaps, as you say, bit of a blast or he's in that position. He's six, six, three, forty, something like that. Yeah, something yeah. huge. So he's going to, 
you know, the value of him, you know, he's not got much at all pass rush out upside, but the value of him being there is that he's going to have be double team. That's going to free up Ed Oliver. That's going to be free up Tremaine exactly. Edmonds to yeah. attack the, to attack I guess the lanes. that's my point. No matter who we have, is there somebody that worries the defense enough that they have to double yeah. team them? If you get a Von Miller, then that's something that, that an offense has to worry about. If you get, um, you know, a dominant one tech, or someone who can attack two gaps, somebody can you know really stuff the run. This is stuff that, that offenses have to cater for. So it changes the way in which you uh, you play. And I think that this has been an oversight. You know, the style of the two delay contract really hasn't worked out. You know, obviously he's had some some health problems. He opted out, and we we still have star on this roster. Um, and he's going to hit us on the dead cap, even if if um, if we if we cut him. So I think. Um, you, there's, there's going to be some cost there anyway, but uh, I feel like this is long-term, at least this is a need. Um, so it could be they roll it back, um, stick with what we've got, maybe even draft a later round guy and then develop them, you know, for when star leaves us the year after. But I think ideally we should be able to, uh, to address that, that position. I feel like free tech is more likely in the draft because if Harrison Phillips does test free agency and signs somewhere else, I feel like, you know, it's it's not difficult to find good one techs uh, on a free, on uh, in free free agency. You just look at the names. Claire's Campbell's on here. He's obviously going to be quite a high um, contract number. Yeah, you know, it's only going to be one. You're looking at six to eight. That's probably a bit extravagant. But I thought I'd bring him up because he's a biggest, most well-known name. But I've got a couple of others here who could fit the role just fine in terms of being a one-take. Got BJ Hill, who's been at the Bengals this year, he's done a really good job. Uh, Tim Sale, who's on the Washington Commanders. Uh, he's more of a one-tech guy, but he's got some pass rush upside. Jaron Reed as well, who's come, uh, he was at the Chiefs last season, a long-time Seahawk. Uh, Steve McClendon as well, who's a long-time Jet, but he uh, went to the Buccaneers, I think, uh, before trade deadline last season. I think they're all good one-tech options that won't be really expensive. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we were to move on from Harrison Phillips, then there are guys in free agency we can bring I in. I don't think place. we're going to move on from Harrison Phillips. I think Harrison Phillips is definitely locked in. I think it's, it's Star and what we do with Star. I mean, the reality is Star might retire. Um, that's been sort of the rumour, isn't it? Um, I think that Harrison will be there either way. I, I suspect it's, it's more... I mean, I think he... Um, He's, he's the end of his contract, isn't he? Um, so he's going to need something new. And obviously, we don't know how, how expensive he's going to be. But I, I think they love Harrison Phillips and I think they'll want him to stay. I think they'll be looking to, to, to free the cap space. That's why I think it's more likely it'll be a free tech in uh, the draft if we were to draft one. So I don't think mm-hmm. Jordan Davis is really someone that we will, you know, that, that won't be the avenue that we'll explore. I think mm-hmm. we'll use that pick somewhere else. But uh, yeah, no, I I can. Agreed. Defensive tackle, that's one of my four as well. Okay. So, uh, yeah, two, for, two out of four we've got uh, yeah. together. So what's your next on your list? Where else do you think you need to be uh, looking at things? So I said about offensive playmakers. So clearly we have that at the moment. But as I said, you look at some of this contract situation, you talked about Diggs, uh, contract situation. Last season, he was the 13th highest paid wide receiver. And he's played up to that level again this season. So they're going to well, look beyond, at... Beyond, right? Uh, well, beyond. Done. So yeah. uh, we're going to look at Boyd years there. Gabe Davis is two years into his rookie deal. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is unlikely to return. You look at Beasley's age and cap saving and then McKenzie going in uh, free agency. Uh, I, I think it'll be difficult to bring him back based on the market he's created after that Patriots game. So I'm going wide receiver here. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, keep the strength. Well. Yeah. yeah, keep keep strength of this offense. Its strengths and maximize Josh's value. Like you know that that's somewhere they really uh, invested in in Josh Allen's earlier years. You look at was it just his second season that John John Brown and Cole Beasley both came through and their big acquisitions in 2019. So I feel like yeah, you know Josh Allen, you know allow him to be the guy. Keep keep uh, hit weapons around him and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we. I have to say, I think that um, Manuel Sanders was a bit of a disappointment to me. Uh, didn't contribute as much as as, as we, we were hoping for. Yeah. Um, I do think though that there's plenty of wide receivers that can support this team. This is a very deep wide receiver um, draft, um, and I, I don't expect us necessarily go for a free agency. We've got in Stefan Diggs and. Um, uh, um, uh, 
my mind well it would be interesting what they do about Cole Beasley we'll come back to Cole Beasley in a second but um they've obviously got uh a a dependable guy now in Gabriel Davis that they trust and that probably deserves more snap more more targets than he got last year whenever he played he played at a high quality but the other sort of um wrinkle here is is just what they do with Dawson Knox and whether they make him an even bigger part of the passing game at the moment he's been he was rostered you know, it's the only tight end for quite a number of games. So you know, is there an argument to say they actually should draft a more of a blocking tight end, allow Knox to, to, to take more targets? And, you know, he seems to fix his catching problems. Um, and, you know, what, what are your top three weapons? Is it going to be the Diggs, um, Davis and Knox show? Um, I think that's a bit light still. I think we have to probably replace, or we certainly have to replace Sanders is there somebody that we already have on the roster that could potentially come in and, and do that kind of job? Could we see someone like Isaiah Hodgins come in and sort of be that fourth, fifth wide receiver? Um, I think this is skill set probably less attractive to us than when we drafted him, but still competent player. Do we bring Isaiah McKenzie back? There's a lot of buzz about Isaiah McKenzie, but clearly the Bills don't believe in him as much as fans do. You know, we had that one flashy game against the Patriots and then it was barely used again. So I think we need to get quicker at wide receiver. And I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to the film of the, uh, the prospects for wide receiver, because if we can find somebody who can is quick, who can play outside, you know, good separation guy, um, this is really going to take this roster, this, 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 uh, this room, this wide receiver room, I think, to another level. Because honestly, I was a little disappointed with Sanders. I don't think he contributed anything like as much as I was hoping for a guy of his experience. Um, and I think this is a, an area we can upgrade um, and, and get better at. Beasley is a tricky one. Um, I still think he's an effective slot, but his contributions have been dropping, I think, a little bit. He has had one or two games this last season where he really contributed a lot heavily, but he's not being used as consistently as he was. And I think as Josh has got better and his decision-making has got better, he's needed to use that sort of third and Beasley less. Equally, there was all the kind of uh, controversy through the season of how he's handling covid that to me doesn't feel like a McDermott guy. Um, it feels like if McDermott can get away with not having him, he would. It just McDermott's all about the team. He's all about caring for each other, loving each other. And then you've got Beasley doing things that were against protocols, potentially putting you know, teammates and himself at risk. That feels like an area where they might just, you know, go, you know what, we're done. Um, but if we have to replace Sanders and Beasley, then that's those, those are two big holes. So I think wide receiver is a position they have to draft and draft probably in the top three rounds, I would think. Yeah, I feel like the best route to improving the wide receiver position is the draft because we know mm. that, you know... We just need to get cheap for that position, right? We're paying... Yeah. Last year, we're paying Sanders, we're paying Beasley, we're paying Diggs. We probably need to give Diggs some more money, so we need to compensate that and get cheaper. Um, and that yeah. means, you know, giving a bigger role to Gabriel Davis and bringing in somebody. I would not be unhappy at all if we drafted a wide receiver at 25. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I think Jameson Williams is going to be available. Maybe, maybe it's a Chris Olav or a, a Traylon Burks or someone. Um, mm. These, I think, are re- you know could be really interesting choices at, at twenty-five. Um, I don't think they will. I think they'll go in the trenches for the first pick. But I wouldn't be disappointed if they went early on wide receiver. And that fifth year as well, that could be a, a, yeah. an option if Jameson Williams option, somehow yeah. found mm-hmm. a way to twenty-five. I'd be running up to the uh, uh, to hand my card in with him, as I think he's electric and exactly what this um, offense could need. Yeah, you might not, you know, see him for seven, eight weeks into the season, but when he comes in, you're going to notice that difference because I feel like he's so refined, he's so quick, that it would add a, another ingredient to this offense. So yeah. yeah, definitely in paper pick 25, obviously with how successful I've been uh, drafting wide receiver, look at Gabe Davis in round four. I feel like day two and three, there's still there's players that can players. make a yeah. good you know, big difference. The one guy that I feel is realistic for pick 25, because as I said, Jemison Williams is my wide receiver one, but I feel like his floor is around pick 20. So I don't think he quite reaches. He uh, make us, make, make it I don't think he now. does. Garrett Wilson, he's my next guy. He reminds me of Ohio Diggs. State guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's twitchy. He's a good route runner. He's got a good release package. I feel like he could come in and make, again, another guy that could come in and have a day one impact and really offer uh, us something else. I think he's got good hands as well. Jahan Dotson, I've started watching actually this afternoon just before we, we um, came on to record this. Is he more uh, of a slot guy? Because he's not the tallest, is no, he? No, he's... He, he, 
it's funny you say that because I, yeah i heard a lot you know before i watched this film this afternoon say you know he's a smaller guy uh he's more of an inside guy but they did at penn state they use him outside he's got a good catch radius for his side he's five foot eleven so mm. i watched it without not knowing his height and i saw it i said he's not he as small as i was expecting yeah yeah uh and then i well, checked his height yeah five eleven. so i feel like he's an inside outside guy he is more uh i think day one start in a slot position but he's definitely got that ability to play on the outside and interchange and you know so there's definitely some options there uh, let me, let me throw a scenario at you i don't know if you've looked at all at calvin austin yet from memphis yeah he's i was gonna bring him up yeah. small slot guy great yeah. with, um, sort of great separation skills great with yak which has always been a problem for us but short area stuff is really good let's suppose we cut beasley or traded beasley um i think here's a scenario right so Diggs is our number one we play Gabriel Davis outside on the other side, essentially replacing where, where Sanders was contributing. We have Calvin Austin as a slot, and maybe we have an Isaiah Hodgins, or maybe we bring Isaiah McKenzie back as a wide receiver four. Would you be comfortable going into next season with that setup of essentially Diggs, Davis, and Calvin Austin as your, as your top three? Obviously, you've got Knox potentially playing a bigger role. I feel like I'd want someone else there. Maybe mm-hmm. I feel like if Beeson and Sanders both go, then mm-hmm. clearly Gabe Davis is in his third year, so he's had experience in this league. But it only really feels like it leaves um, Stefan Diggs as the, the veteran in, in the group. I feel like there needs to be one well, other guy. If Beasley does get cut or traded, I do feel like they'll bring a veteran in. Let me ask you this then, because a lot of debate with Gabriel Davis. Do you consider him to be a wide receiver too? Yes. Okay, so if you if you think he's a wide receiver too, then he should be able to take on that Sanders role, play outside, and if we've got a good answer at slot, that should be enough. yeah. That's what I'm saying. So See, I'm not sure. it might be slot. It I'm not be. sure he is a wide receiver too. <laughs> and no. let me tell you why. I think he benefits a lot from Diggs getting double teamed, um, and I don't know. But in that case, if you think that he gets, um, you know, he's he has good production because digs get double teamed, then mm-hmm. you're going to need someone good in the slot as well to mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah. Know, give, because if you just have him and Davis, then what else has a defense got to account for? Like, well, exactly. And this is why Calvin Austin is interesting to me. Is he, yeah. he, I think, can contribute on, you know, day one without Davis as being an effective slot guy. I mean, I, Sorry, without Beasley even. Um, I think he he's, he's pretty much, I think, a drop-in NFL-ready quality guy. Um, now, that's probably not how the Bills would use him, but I think he's he's got that potential to contribute heavily in the first first year, even though he's probably more like a third-round third round guy. Slots don't typically go too early uh, in the draft. But yeah, I think it's interesting. It's a fascinating room, and I think there's work to be done there. I mean, there is a, there is a scenario where they keep Beasley. Um, they draft a rangy... Uh, outside guy to replace Sanders and you know they basically have Davis as the sort of I don't know the sort of um, in between you guys sort of wide receiver three so I have a feeling that the Davis is actually really a wide receiver three but yeah, to be debated <laughs> I didn't expect Rangy and outside to come up today necessarily in top four needs uh, we know that's usually uh, something we talk about at cornerbacks especially our well, good friend we'll, we'll Saul come, we'll, come up uh... <laughs> we'll come talk about that in a minute I think oh um, really okay interesting. yeah 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 so but yeah wide receiver I'm all in I, I think most likely scenario for Bean for me is to probably go second or third round um, for wide receiver um, I don't think they'll go early this is like like you say the likes of James Williams will be gone and I don't think they need to draft early. I think there are other needs that are like to take priority, but we'll come back to that in terms of our priorities a little bit later. Two other slot guys, Wondell Robinson from, I think, Kentucky, and then Kyle Phillips is probably a day for you. guy. guy. Mm-hmm. UCLA. Yeah. You play really well at the Shrine yeah. Bowl, so they're mm-hmm. guys that, you know, could okay. be in play. So, my next position... You've given um, it away, haven't you? I think it's your final... Well, um, I think there's a couple of areas still to talk about, but cornerback, okay. yeah. Cornerback is definitely, um, I think we need to discuss. So we obviously know Trey White's injured. There's rumblings that he might not actually be fit to play at a good level till November. So he might miss the first, what, six on a pub weeks. List. Yeah. yeah, might six miss the first six weeks. Um, Levi Wallace had a contract. Uh, we all, I think, were really <laughs> impressed with how Levi Wallace um, operated last year and he, he, he stepped up, I think, really, really well. Um, but 
he may have pushed himself into a position where he's too expensive for us to bring back. Yeah, um, there's a lot of debate about what his cap cap rate is and whether he would take a team friendly deal. Obviously, the team lovely about Wallace, and I think he played to the absolute uh, limits of his potential last year. I think what do you of, think uh, Levi Wallace's value is? Like, what would you be prepared to pay for? What would I be prepared to pay for him? Yeah. So that's a really tricky question. I mean, yeah. what, what, what have we been paying for him? We've been paying like sort of two million ish, haven't we? Or something? For, yeah, two, two and a half, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think over the cap was talking about him being worth somewhere in the region of what, 10? Nine, <laughs> 10. Nine, I, 10. I fell out of my chair when I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with you. But I mean, remember, this is this was what the top rate, rated pass defense in the league, or certainly one of the top rated yeah. pass defense league for a good chunk of the season. Was playing without Trey White, and he was the lead, one of the leading backs. But of course, we have Poyer and Hyde that sort of fill in for a lot of the the gaps here. Historically, the Bills have not drafted not since Trey White an early stage cornerback. Um, so this is something that they're going to be wrestling with. I would probably not want to pay more than six, if I'm honest. Yeah. I think that's roughly where I see him. Um, the bills are not. Here's the other thing: the bills need to get cheaper in the um, in the secondary. We're paying Trey White mega money. We're paying Hyde. We're paying Poya. We're paying um, Taron Johnson. So I think we need to get cheaper in that position. And I like the idea. I really like the idea of going earlier cornerback, having a five years, having cost control for five years, and having a shutdown corner playing opposite Trey White. I think that would compensate for the developmental time that this defensive line needs for Ed Oliver to take that another step, for those three developmental edges to improve. I think there's a really compelling case to make to actually go cornerback first. You know, there's lots of talk in Bill's media about the fact that Bean doesn't doesn't believe in cornerbacks the same way and um, or doesn't go early for them and, and McDermott thinking he can just develop a sort of sixth round guy as a cornerback. But the, I mean, just think how difficult that would be for quarterbacks because they've been able to just throw to the other guy when, when um, Trey White's been on the field for so long. Um, it's really going to force uh, organisations to plan differently against playing against the Bills. Yeah, and you've got to think as well, as you said there, like Trey White, uh, Town Johnson, Dane Jackson, the only three corners in our room that are under contract. We don't mm-hmm. actually know we'll be playing along uh, opposite of Dane Jackson as mm-hmm. RCB1, CB2, you know, so... And Dane yeah, Jackson did well, but he, he's also very inexperienced and he bit on some stuff that probably he shouldn't do. And you can yeah. tell he, he's not there yet. Um, yeah. Well, that just puts more emphasis on the cornerback, doesn't it? Because you're saying yeah. that the only other cornerback, uh, outside cornerback that we've got contracted for next season mm-hmm. is a bit, you know, he, you know, he's still inexperienced and yeah. he's still learning. So yeah, that talent. just emphasizes yeah, the position well, need, doesn't it? I, I think this is, you know, if you add up the fact the Trey White's injury, Levi's probably market value higher than we probably want to pay. The fact we're paying everybody else in that in that backfield. Um I think this is an area where we 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 really need to be addressing it in the first two rounds. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't looked heavily at the uh, sort of draft options, but what I have looked at is the depth on the um, draft network. It's not especially high in the first two rounds. There's four uh, rated cornerbacks currently on draft network, and there's three uh, second round rated cornerbacks, and then in the middle, third and fourth round, there are eight. Um, rated cornerbacks in each of those rounds. So the, the weight yeah. of the people is in the middle of this draft. Um, but yeah, looking forward to getting into that class. I think cornerbacks always a really fun, fun, uh, fun position to scout. Have you looked at, uh, at anyone, any name, any particular names? Yes, I've done the top guys. I always, you know, study film on the top, like round one, um, shoeing type of guys, just because that gives me a good baseline for the rest of the class. So mm-hmm. if I start watching some lower guys and I'm higher on them, then um, you know, I, I kind of know where they sit in my mind compared to where everyone else thinks they sit. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of names. So my cornerback one that I've looked at earlier this week is Derek Stingley Jr. Mm-hmm. LSU, uh, guy, right? LSU guy, uh, true freshman. He had a phenomenal season in the 2019 championship. You know, he's got all the traits you're looking for. He's got ball skills. He's got absolutely everything you're looking for in a corner. He's six foot one as well. So he's got the size. Uh, if he was available at 25, I'd run that card in. He's not going to get out of the, again, top 12 picks, I don't think. Uh, he fell off a little bit in 2020, 21. He didn't have the production that he did in 2019, but I felt like that was more than, you know, because he was in a poorer team, you know, lost Joe Burrow. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL in 2019. So I feel like, you know, he played a little bit down to like, the guys around him 
and there's maybe a questionable uh, lack of effort there potentially so that clearly is something that sits that doesn't sit too well with McDermott and B so I don't think he will be in you know someone that they'd want just because of that um, yeah. and we will do a deep dive on, on some of these, yeah, these guys yeah. closer to the draft but for so sure him um, and uh, Source Gardner they're, they're the yeah. two that okay. if they're available mm-hmm. I'd uh, run to that platform and hammer card him yeah, definitely. yeah, I know. I, I looks a little bit at Roger McCreary. Uh, I like the fact yeah. he can play a bit in press man, which I think has been something that we haven't typically done that much of. It just gives us another option, really. So it's got a lot of comparisons to Trey White. You know, I'm hearing that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. his like pro comparison. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, a Trey White number two that'd be very nice to go opposite him. Indeed, in, uh, indeed. Our defense. Two other things that maybe uh, for our listeners are interesting about cornerback. Cornerback is a is a position where if you've got good ones, you have to pay them, and that. If you think about tackle, you think about defensive end, the last uh, draft, we we drafted in positions where they're expensive positions. You know, it's all about how do you allocate your resources in the most efficient way possible. So it could be, you know, you look at what Levi Wise has, I think, turned into a really decent quarterback, and now what potentially he's going to get on the open market, um, a way of compensating for that is to draft somebody cheap and have that cost control option for you know the next four or five years um, opposite trade white i think that's really attractive to me good all right so um i think we've talked about sort of the top four positions there's a couple of other positions i just want to touch on briefly they're not in my top four but just uh, areas that i think are you know, so-called sneaky needs one is tight end two we, we briefly touched on that before i'm not sure. i think they believe in Tom, tommy sweeney but I'm not seeing that much from him. I think he's a decent blocker, but um, you know, I think Dawson Knox has come on leaps and bounds this last year. But if he was he was injured, I think our next up, next man up is pretty pretty dubious. You know, we saw that they brought in Hollister last year and let him go. Um, so they obviously were pretty confident in, in 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 Knox, and so it proved. But I do think that probably mid to late rounds. Titan two is absolutely in play, um, potentially a free agency addition, uh, perhaps. Um, the other position, I think, which often comes up is running back. Um, I still believe that Devin Singletary is a solid running back too. I don't think he's a game changer. You know, we brought in guys this offseason in terms of the coaching staff that have a reputation for improving the running game. You know, we brought back... Uh, the guy that was previously with us um, around, around the Sean McCoy times. Um, and I haven't looked too much at um, running backs yet, but it'll be interesting once I get to that point to see if there's anybody that, that theoretically could be taken early. I mean, they've invested two th- third round draft picks. I'm not a believer in Moss. I've not seen anything in Moss over the years that gives me any confidence that he's an answer for us. He's certainly no better than Singletary. Um, but I think my my preferred option for running back is actually bringing an experienced guy, bringing in, bringing in a free agent rather than drafting another guy. I don't know how you feel about um, running back. Uh, yes, yeah. somebody just to buy us a bit more time, allow single Singletary to develop. Somebody, I think we saw that some of the best Singletary when um, we had him, uh, you know, in his first year. Um, yeah, and he was um, working under name escapes me, uh, <laughs> Frank Gore. Frank, well, we can't say Frank Gore. I think. Um, I think he he plays some his best ball, and I think last it was the end of last season. He was he was massively improved, but I'm still not convinced he has the physical traits to be a dominant running back that takes sufficient pressure off Josh Allen during the regular season. I would like to see us improve that running back room, but I said my preference probably is to uh, is to look at free agent options, somebody who's experienced, who can maybe take you know a third of the snaps or something like that, but just someone who can help develop him along. Yeah. If I haven't revealed my fourth uh, top need yet, so I'll get on to that, but ah. just to touch on your ones. Yep. So a uh, tight end would be my fifth. Mm-hmm. So that didn't quite make the cut, but it would be my fifth option. We've text uh, in recent weeks, actually, I, because this tight end room, uh, sorry, this tight end class in um, the 2022 draft seems pretty deep. It's, you know, got some uh, you know good athletic uh, guys, good mm-hmm. catches, not so many good blockers, I don't think, but there's some good options in the draft. And I feel like a day three guy uh, to come in uh, and be alongside Dawson Knox. I like the idea of running a few, um, uh, I forget their personnel groupings it's called, but uh, two tight end sets. Yeah. I quite like the idea of having Dawson Knox and another uh, in there to so 21 personnel. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I just like the idea. It just adds another. Um, 
you know uh option to yeah, our, sorry you know and so I think, 11 I think, set, actually, I think it's actually 12, 12 personnel, isn't it 12, 12 personnel, personnel assets, running so, backs, then tight ends yeah yeah because we've never had that as you said tommy sweeney's just a, a, a you know just a guy isn't he as they call him a jag he's he is a guy. yeah he's a body and he's fine but he's nothing special and he's nothing that's going to compensate for losing a dawson knox for an injury it, that's it if you've got a better athlete outside you know, of Dawson Knox next to him in the line yeah. um, and they're able to, you know, get out in space and that's just going to cause opposition defences even more problems because when you've got the, you know, good core wide receivers, you've got that extra tight end that could make a difference to the passing mm-hmm. game. They don't really know what they're, you know, they don't know how to plan. If you had a another running back in there, uh, you know, that can complement Devin Singletary. You know, we talked about Melvin Gordon before. He'd kind of be a candidate uh, if we were to bring a veteran in. Um, there's not many guys... Uh, in a draft that I'd consider um, round two, round three. But one that I really like that I've watched is Kenneth Walker the third, just because he's he's a real explosive rusher. Probably an early day two guy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, I I don't know necessarily, though, if I'd still invest in that. No, indeed. I feel like... Yeah, yeah. If he was a better pass protector and he was better receiving, and I don't feel the receiving element of his game um, at Michigan State, I don't feel like they put him in the best positions to be a receiving no. man. So I feel like he's got more skill there to showcase. But if it's just based on early down performance, I think he, he's such an exciting and electric runner. Maybe uh, for, he could really make a difference. Just to help people along, we won't have the debate this year at least of us taking a running back at, in the first round. No, there really no. isn't anybody of that quality that would even warrant it even if we wanted to so i think um if they do draft in the, in the running back but what it always comes back to where do you think you can get value and the, you look at the top some of the many of the top ranked running backs they haven't been drafted in any rounds be, these are mid-round guys and um you can find value in the later rounds even non-drafted free agency can contribute in running backs it is the one position where you can find people later on so i suspect that if we do make an improvements it'll either be through free agency or it'll be a sort of a later edition um yeah but um, i would like to see that room improved if we could um yeah. that breeder obviously didn't really contribute and, and zach moss i'm not a believer in so yeah so my last my my last position of need in, in my top four is interior line so mm-hmm. at times yep. it really let the team down especially the first half of the season you think of that Jaguars game I don't want to bring it up but you just think of that game and how terrible Cody Ford was um, you know it's still a position of need in my mind you know I'm not prepared even uh, also to count on Ryan Rick Bates to be the saviour you know he's only played uh, in this team for the last five games so clearly he absolutely deserves to be brought back and penciled in as mm-hmm. our left guard for 22 but I don't want to just bank on those five games and think that's going to be his floor moving forward I definitely think he's got potential and I definitely think he should get that starting role but I don't want to just bank on his last five games um, then you look at the other depth you know it's poor um, and then there's potential cap savings there John Feliciano Dow Williams amongst others Mitch Morse even even though I certainly wouldn't advocate for that and then Aaron Cromer's the new O-line coach clearly you know you look at Cody Ford he could be uh, a uh, you know a, a resurrection project for him mm. Um, but I still feel like, you know, uh, it's, it's a position of need. What's the path to improve? So I put a combination of draft and free agency. So I feel like there's a few appealing free agency options that have some close connections to the organisation. So Trey Turner, he was a pro bowler with the Panthers, I think five-time pro bowler or something stupid like that. He was at the Steelers last season. You know, it's similar to Dow Williams coming from uh, the Panthers, you know, on a cheap prove-it deal potentially because he didn't play well last season. But he could definitely be another a, uh, a project to bring in and try and boost his value. Andrew Norwell as well from the Jaguars. Again, mm, yeah, he's got um, links to the Panthers organisation. Uh, he was played there before he signed that big deal at the Jaguars. Then Austin Corbett as well, who I think will stay at the Rams, but he's clearly, clearly um, developed under Aaron Cromer. So I feel like they've got some ties there and there could be options. All the drafts, so Zion Johnson, six yeah. foot three. Uh, he's I, looks really good. I think one of the more attractive things about Zion Johnson is he can also play centre. Yeah. And I feel like if we're going to draft a guard, it would be great if we could find someone who can maybe develop into a centre and eventually replace Mitch Morse in time. And the fact that he's, you know, he put that on himself to learn the centre position, mm-hmm. I just think that goes to show the kind of character he is. Well, you hear Joe Marino talking about him and, you know, saying he's a really smart, intelligent guy. Uh, and I just thought he, he's a real clean projection as both 
you know, pass yeah. blocker. Uh, and uh, in the second level, I think he's good as well. Uh, Dylan Parham as well and Tyler Smith. There are a couple of other guys that have been talked up in this interior group that I think will be realistically there, um, you know, as a round two, round three picks potentially. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that, that's yeah. my last uh, of the top four. I agree completely. I think um, Ryan Bates, I really want him back. I want him probably the answer at left guard. I think Feliciano's a goner. Uh, we've not seen enough from Cody Ford, as you said. Um, you got to say, maybe a reclamation project, but it's not be a quick reclamation project. So I'd like us to go early on, on interior offensive line, probably a day two pick. Um, um, I think that you've got Williams, who is getting tackle money, but playing guard. Um, yeah. I think he's going to have to be either restructured or a trade. I just don't think that we could afford to keep him in, the, in that position at that kind of money. Um, now, I think what we, we can say, though, is Josh Allen can compensate for a bit of weakness on the offensive line. Um, yeah. But remember, we've got, um, we've got a rookie... Oh, we, we've, had a, we've had a rookie at right tackle who still has some development to go. I think we need some consistency there. I, uh, I, I like you, wouldn't be surprised if they brought someone in uh, as a free agent. But equally, I think an early round pick is, um, is not a bad idea at guard. And in fact, it's one of my, my priorities as well. And if we can find someone who could develop into a centre, even better. But we have to solve that, I think that right guard tap the position um yeah. i think there's an opportunity for us to get cheaper with 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 williams i'm just not sure whether they'd be prepared to put a rookie next to a guy who's obviously still got a long way to go in, in spencer brown so um but yeah it's definitely a position that they're going to be thinking about and i feel it's an area where we we need to improve mitch morse i've been super happy with i think Dion dawkins has got back to his level so it has improved dramatically um but i suspect we're going to see some um some changes there for sure so to summarise it, Charlie, what's your, how, how would you rank yeah. your top so, four? So I think I've toyed around with this a couple of different ways. And the way I've, I've come out is to say, it's all about opportunity cost. Because if you, you know, if you draft yeah. from one position, you can't draft another position. I've tried to sort of bear in mind what's likely to be able with free agency and what's likely to be available, what points in the draft. And so my number one, um, which will please some, is, is cornerback. Um, that's my number one. Followed by guard. I'd love to see um, a good high-ranking interior offensive lineman who can develop into centre. Um, number three in my ranking would be wide receiver because I think this this, this draft's deep. We can get good quality guys in wide receiver in the third third round for sure. And then my fourth is uh, defensive tackle. Now the logic here though is we draft corner. Early, we probably don't draft a defensive tackle early, or we solve defensive tackle maybe through free agency. You could make an equal argument to say get a dominant two-gapping, you know, absolute barnstormer defensive tackle, and that lowers cornerback in my priority. So I think it may come down to to what's available, but I would be very happy with either a, a proper one tech or a corner in the first round. That would be uh, my, my preference. Am I right in saying you didn't list edge in your top four needs? Correct, because I think, well, it's, it's a top four need, yes, but I think that most likely we'll just get a one-year one free agent signing and um, we'll uh, hope to get these three developmental guys to improve. So, yes, it's a top five need for a draft. I would go number one, cornerback, number two, guard. Number okay, three, so guard. I've done mine just generally what are the top needs, not... Mm-hmm just in the draft so mm-hmm. I've just focused mine on um, the top so, needs in my yeah, mind so, so my free agency edge running back tight end two maybe I think you could argue maybe we should draft okay. two, but those are my two I, I think you could also look at maybe a linebacker three um, somebody who's going to replace AJ Klein also maybe in free agency or a later round draft but I think those are the sort of three that probably draft, address through free agency and then when it comes to the draft corner guard wide receiver tackle defensive tackle good stuff so to summarize my top four positions of need so as i said this is just overall positions of need this isn't focusing on free agents only or free agency only or the draft so i've got edge as my number one wide receiver at two interior o-line at three defensive tackle as four so as you can see three or four of those positions are in the trenches so i still feel like that's a huge position that we need to upgrade on so mm-hmm. okay yeah great Very good stuff. stuff yeah fascinating chat and um you're going to hear more from us on these these sorts of topics especially once we get into free agency and uh into the uh you know, real draft prep we're uh, 
busy watching film and preparing big boards. And, you know, this is all a bit academic to a certain extent until free agency is done and we're on the other side of, um, of the combine. But it's good just to get familiar with some of these players. Uh, but things will start to solidify a little bit once we um, we see how they measure up at the combine and um, we know where where the bigger gaps are after after free agency. Um, so coming up, we've got some a series of interviews, um, some of our uh, Bills from Afar interviews. So look out for those, probably one a week, uh, for the next uh, two or three weeks. And then we'll, uh, we'll start talking um, draft a little bit more. Um, anything else you want to close out with, Tim? No, I think I've covered it. Great stuff. So again, real reminder, uh, in a week and a day's time, that is the 20, um, 26th of February, we will be getting together um, at the Fitzrovia Bell. I think it's 7.30. We're going to be uh, kicking off, so to speak. So uh, look out on the social medias, UK Bills or um, Red, um, Red White Buffalo Blues uh, podcast, also talking about it, and obviously Bills from Afar podcast. Maybe a quick, uh, quick welcome to, to Robin, who's um, joined yeah. Matt on the Red White and Buffalo Blues podcast. Listen to him this morning, and uh, yeah, Robin sounds like a great addition and a worthy replacement to, to Alex, who's uh, unfortunately moved back to the States. Yeah, I was going to mention that at the start of the show, actually. I thought this morning when I was listening to their episode, the new episode with Robin, oh, you know, let's mention that at the start. And then we, I got into my draft stuff and my free agency. <laughs> I completely forgot. So well done for mentioning it. But yeah, yeah well, welcome. No, Robin. Great, great welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, yeah, thanks for listening. If you've got what well, we're probably about an hour in now. So appreciate your time and attention on this uh, on this Friday. It's Windy Friday here in the UK. Um, uh, please do feel, follow, feel free to follow us on uh, Twitter. We are Bills from Afar. Or you can get in touch with us, Bills from Afar at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us directly on Twitter. I am Charlie underscore sports and he is Tim Rudge 90. Uh, until next time, go Bills. Go Bills. Thank you.